At the beginning of every class, the teacher will typically call the roll. Now, there are several reasons why they do that, but among other things, it's to make sure that all of the students are in the correct class. I spent an entire semester in college enrolled in the wrong class. I read all the literature, I took all the exams, I wrote all the papers, and at the end of the semester discovered that I didn't need that class for the degree that I was getting. I did get an A, though. It's good to know that you're in the right place. It's even more important to know who you are. Paul wanted the believers in Galatia to understand who they were in Christ. And the Bible wants you to understand who you are in Jesus. This is what Paul wrote the Galatian believers here in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his sons into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. This morning, I hope you leave this place knowing something. For sure, absolutely, no question about it. That you know who you are in Christ. The Bible tells us in Christ, you are a child of God. Paul has been building an argument against the false teachers who are stirring up all kinds of trouble in Galatia. We've seen that over the last few weeks as we've read through this passage. The basic statement of the false teaching was that receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior was not enough. You needed to do that, but then you needed to follow all of this list of rules and regulations that they had devised, that in doing so, you would make yourself right with God. And Paul has described how we know that's impossible. We can't make ourselves right with God. That doesn't make the law bad. In fact, the law shows us something very important. God's law shows us how much we need Jesus. As we look at God's command in His Word, we realize how far short we've fallen, that we're not even close to what God has commanded us to be. We recognize that we can't save ourselves. That doesn't make the law bad. That makes the law good because it points us to the only one who can make us right. The law points us to Jesus. Shows us how much we need Him. Paul also describes how the false teachers were neglecting all that Jesus had accomplished on the cross. We who were lost in our sin, who were separated from God, are made children of God through Jesus' sacrifice for us. John put it in this way as he introduces his gospel in John chapter 1, verse 12. He says, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Paul in Galatians chapter 4 reveals the new identity of the believer with three words that were extremely important as he describes how God is Abba, 
our Father, and how we, in Christ, are heirs. Each one of those words had a very significant meaning to the New Testament world that's important for us to understand. So we're going to look at them very quickly this morning. First, this name, Abba. It was a, a word that was used in the, in the common language of the day. Many people in their homes, they would have spoken Aramaic. And as they would have children, those children would begin to grow. The, the children would begin to, to learn the names of mommy and daddy. And that child, as he would look at his dad, he would begin to say, in, in a way that only an infant can say, Abba, Abba. And that became the word in that common language of the people, the word that they used, we would commonly say daddy. It was a word of tremendous affection. It was a word of relationship. It was an extremely loved word because it represented the love between a child and their father. And now... Paul describes how God is that to us. How He is our Abba. We have a relationship with Him. He has shown us a depth of love that we can only begin to understand even a portion of it. But as we do, we recognize how much God loves us that's contained in that name, Abba. Then the name Father, this would have been a name more familiar with Jewish believers. It was the term that they often would use to describe the relationship between God and the nation of Israel. God being the father of his people. It described a covenant relationship. A relationship of blessing. A relationship of extraordinary love, a relationship that could not be broken, could not be severed. And now the combination of those two wonderful words, Abba and Father, describe both the relationship of love between the believer and God and that covenant relationship that cannot be severed, that cannot be broken. We have the guarantee, Paul says, of God's Holy Spirit living in us. And then finally, because we're a child of God, Paul uses another term. He describes the believer as an heir. The word comes from a phrase uh, that originally was used in the description of the selling of a plot of land. That didn't happen very often in the biblical day. That happened sometimes. Sometimes it would occur. But for the most part, land was not sold. If you had a parcel of land, you hung on to that. And then you would pass it on to your children, who would then pass it on to their children, who would then pass it on to their children. Obviously, the nation of Israel is not a large nation, and so there's not a lot of land to go around. And once you had some, you would retain that. You would hold on to it as, as a family possession. From that word, describing that situation of, in a in a financial sense, comes this term for heir, describing that inheritance that is so extraordinarily precious. And Paul describes the inheritance of the believer as being nothing less than the kingdom of God. Think about that. 
We are heirs not to a, a piece of land, not to a bank account, not to a house, not to a car. We are heirs to God's kingdom. Peter describes that inheritance in these words in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Wow. We are heirs to God's kingdom. When I go into someone's home, I try to be on my best behavior. I think that goes back to when I was a little child. And my mom and dad would take me over to somebody's house. We'd been invited for dinner, whatever the situation was. And as we would get to the front door, they would ring the doorbell. And before the people would come to the door, my mother would always say the same thing to me. Just before we would enter into the house, just before anybody had come to the door, just before we were about to go in, she would look at me and she would say, Don't you touch anything. (laughs) And I wouldn't. I'd walk in the house. She'd walk around like that, all around the house making sure that I didn't touch anything. We did that at everybody's house except at my grandmother and granddad's house. Now, I still had to be on my best behavior. I still had to be nice. I still had to be, you know, I understood that. But in my grandmother's house, when we got in, there was one place I knew I could go and touch all kinds of stuff. The kitchen. And I'd head right back there because my grandmother always had good stuff back in the kitchen. She always had cookies or leftover cinnamon rolls or or pie or or something that she would have in there. And she'd let us come in there and she'd say, oh, yeah, go ahead and get some. You can have some. Grandkids got privileges. (laughs) Being an heir to the kingdom of God is an extraordinary privilege. Being a child of God is an amazing thing. Having God's Spirit living in us, that is extraordinary. But it's way more than just privilege. The best thing about my grandmother's cookies weren't the cookies. Now, they were wonderful. Don't get me wrong. They were delicious But the best thing about my grandmother's cookies was the hug that I got after I ate one. It wasn't just about having a snack. It was about having a grandma. As good as the blessings are that we have from Christ, and they are amazing, but as wonderful as the blessings are that we have from God, don't miss the point. It's not about the stuff. It's about knowing who you are. You are a child of God. You're an heir to the kingdom of God. We don't deserve that. We could in no way, shape, or form ever make ourselves worthy of that. There's only one way that could happen, and that's through a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Know who you are in Jesus. You're a child of God. 
But also know who you are not. You are no longer a slave. Paul puts it this way in verse 7. He says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God also has made you an heir. Far too often we live like someone we are not. Now, usually we think of that in terms of somebody uh, being a little full of themselves. You know, we think, well, you think you're so great. Let me tell you a few things about you. We think of it in, in those kind of ideas, and that, that's the problem, and, and even the Bible deals with that. But Paul's not describing that. He's describing it from the other situation that so often we fall into as believers. So often believers live as less than they are. Now think about this for a moment. Think about you go over to somebody's house, knock on the door, and as you knock on the door... You, you hear their voice, but it's kind of muffled. You hear this, I'm good. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, so you knock on the door again, and, and you hear them say, yeah, go around and back here. <laughs> and finally, you understand, okay, they're saying they're back there. I guess they mean they're in the backyard. Well, okay. So you, you walk around, you go in the gated fence, you go in the backyard, and, and there they are inside their dog's house. You're thinking, well, this is weird. Why are you in your dog's house? Are you in trouble? <laughs> Something go wrong? No, no, I'm just back here in the doghouse. Well, why? I mean, I mean, you're not a dog. You have this beautiful home. Why are you here? Or uh, think about it in the terms that Jesus described it. In the story that he told of young man, he, he gets... His inheritance from his father, he goes into the far country, he wastes it all, blows every bit of it, and winds up in the only place where he can find any food. He's in a pig's sty, literally. He's in, in with a bunch of pigs, and he's fighting the pigs for the food that gets thrown to them. And then he thinks about it, he says, wait a minute. Even the servants in my father's household eat better than this. Why am I here? Or think about it in this terms. When, when I was in Cub Scouts, my Cub Scout leader was a, a police officer. And uh, he took us one day down to the county jail because he told us, I, I want you to know what it's like to be in jail because you don't want to ever be here. Because, you know, you see it on TV, it's kind of romanticized. And you think, well, that'd be kind of cool. He said, it's not cool at all. I'll show you exactly what it is. So he took us down. He took us into an actual jail cell. He, he walked in with us. He was with us, so we didn't get scared or anything. But he closed the door and he locked it. You know, it was locked. He said, this is what it's like. And, and we looked around, you know, the, had the little metal toilet and the, the little cot. And that was it. And he, he was saying, you know, this is not where you want to be. Paul uses a familiar reality in New Testament life to make that same illustration, to make that same understanding that, that you don't want to be here. Here's what he used. He used something that everybody would be familiar with, the difference between being a slave and being free. Anyone, anyone who was a slave, who had the opportunity to no longer be a slave, would have jumped at the chance. Especially if someone came in and said, hey, you're not a slave anymore. You're actually a son of the king. 
If you're given a choice between sleeping on a pallet on the floor and sleeping in the palace with the king, you're going to choose the palace every time. So Paul's question to the Galatians was simply this. He says, look, Christ has set you free. Why would you want to live as a slave anymore? Here's the thing. We often think about temptation and sin in terms of how bad it is, and in terms of how it's going to destroy our life or it's going to hurt somebody else or hurt us. You know, we think about the bad stuff, and that's absolutely true. There, there's no question that sin is horrible for our life, that it makes us do things that are ridiculously bad for others and for ourselves. That's all very true. But if we would understand what we already have in Jesus, if we would understand we are a child of the King, those temptations, we'd see them for what they really are. We'd see them as less than who we are in Jesus. You're not a slave. Don't live like one. For these next couple of months, we're going to talk about ways that we can have conversations with people about Jesus, introducing them to His extraordinary grace. Uh, that's because, let me, let me tell you, you know a lot of people who, who are right around you every day. They, they work right beside you. They live right beside you. They, they share life with you. And they are enslaved and one out. And so they're fighting to find a way out of that. And the problem for them is that they've been blinded by sin. And so they, they think the best way out is just through more sin. <laughs> It just gets them deeper and deeper into the hole. And they recognize the emptiness of that, but they don't know how to get out of it. You have the answer. That in Christ, their life can be transformed. They can be set free. So we're going to be talking about ways that you can bring that conversation up. Sometimes we wonder, well, how do I get into that conversation? How do I start that conversation? We, we spoke last week about, about using sports activities, and we have some sports activities here at church that, that you can use to do that. This week we're going to talk about something a little bit different. This, this is just that way. One of the problems sometimes we have about sharing Christ with somebody is that we just don't know them. I mean, you know, used to be years ago people would know all of their neighbors' names and their neighbors' children's name, their children, grandchildren's name. They know everything about all their neighbors. Now people don't know anybody anymore. So, so how do you get past that? How do you get past just the cultural kind of walls that we've put up around us that we don't even know our neighbors anymore? Well, here's one way that you can do this. Most unchurched people state that they would attend an event with a believer that's designed to make their community safer. You know, everybody wants a safe community. Everybody wants to be safer. We know how dangerous things are out there. and Everybody wants to protect their property, protect their family. So, so they say, yeah, we would get together and talk about that. So what if you did this? What if you hosted in your home 
just a discussion group invited some neighbors to come over and just talk about some ways that you could keep your block a little bit safer, keep your neighborhood a little bit safer. And if nothing else, at least you would learn their names. You'd learn a little bit about them, who they are, and what some of their concerns are in life. And there are some ways that you can use that to begin to talk to them about the Lord. Now, we're going to talk about in October some ways to transition a conversation to a gospel conversation. There's very simple, very easy, non-threatening ways to do that. So uh, hang with us through October. You'll learn some ways that you can do that. But here, you've got to start that conversation somewhere. You, you have to learn who they are somewhere. This is a good way just to begin planting some seeds. If nothing else, just to learn the names of your neighbors, to have a, a little safety group there of your neighbors and just sit down with them and say, hey, let's talk about some ways we can keep our neighborhood safe. It's a way to begin that conversation. We'll talk about lots more in days ahead. Because the reality is we all need what Paul's been describing here in Galatians chapter 4. We all desperately need the freedom that only Jesus Christ can give. Heavenly Father, this morning we give you praise that in Jesus we are set free. As believers, help us to recognize what that means. That we are not enslaved to the junk of this world anymore. You've set us free. We're, we're your children. Help us to see what that means. And God, we pray even now, maybe there's someone who, who needs that transformation in their life, who, who needs that personal relationship with Jesus. We pray even now that you would help them to see that, to see how much you love them. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.